Welcome to Marathon Swim Stories, where we interview marathon swimmers from all walks of life to get perspective on how to endure, adapt, and overcome the challenges we face swimming and in life. I'm Shannon Keegan, marathon swimmer, wife, mom, and swim efficiency coach at Intrepid Water, where we seek to empower individuals to become comfortable and confident in the water so they can start swimming places. Are you ready to swim smarter? Check out my virtual Efficient Swimming Basics program at intrepidwater.com. In this episode, I talk with an ultramarathon swimmer with an affinity for the Catalina Channel, the English Channel, and 20 bridges around Manhattan. Courtney Polk is currently the only person to have completed the triple crown of open water swimming, not once, not twice, but three times. She even loves these swims enough to double them, with a 40 bridges and a double Catalina under her belt. Needless to say, Courtney has some impeccable wisdom to share with us. We talk about feeling like a poser at marathon swim events, no such thing as a DNF, enjoying the journey, and so much more. Please enjoy this episode. Okay, um, so I I'm here. So obviously I'm a swimmer, um, and when I'm not swimming, I'm a lawyer. Um, I'm the president of my law firm in Richmond, which is in Richmond, Virginia, which is a lot of work. Um, which is partly why I swim, I think, because I need the balance between my work and my career. Um, and I've been swimming, gosh for a long, really long time. And I love it. And that's why I keep doing it. Can you tell us about how you started swimming? Um, sure. So I, um, I started swimming when I learned how to swim when I was three. I, my parents took me for swim lessons and I swam across the pool. Like I just loved it. I didn't want to get out of the water. And then I started swimming year round when I was five. And then I swam growing up until I burn out. I didn't swim in college. I was way burnt out, um, but swam all growing up and um, found my distance event when I was old enough to start to do distance events and swam distance events, you know, when I was o- older and loved the distance events and um, started swimming really in the open water when I was in high school. I moved to high school, moved to Virginia Beach when I was in high school and there were lifeguards down there and most of the lifeguards were boys and I would go down in my bikini and my ponytail and I would say, are you guys going to swim today? And then they would look at me of course and roll their eyes. And then I would typically swim faster than them. So it got me some dates. (laughs) (laughs) When did you start swimming marathons? Um, So I, when I started at my law firm about 20 years ago, I signed up with some friends to do the Chesapeake Bay swim in Maryland and because I was working really hard and I thought I need to have a goal. And so I did that and I haven't done it as many times as Chris has done it, but I did it 
for 15 years and then I abandoned because it got to be too hot. But um, and then somewhere along the way in there, I decided I needed to go longer. So I started doing marathon swims in probably 2007, I guess, when I swam uh, the Potomac River swim across the mouth of the Potomac from Maryland to, I guess, from Virginia technically to Maryland. And then it just blossomed from there and I've done them ever since. How do you describe that feeling of completing a marathon swim? So, you know, to me, when you come out of the water, it's really, you're, you've been in sort of your own space for so long that the immediate feeling is really not different than the feeling that you had when you were swimming. You're so in your own space. And then, you know, you come, I feel like you kind of come out of that over the next 24 hours or so. And you just kind of re you realize what you've done and you're proud of it. And then after that, I think there's a bit of a letdown because for me, it's not really the swim. I mean, the swim is the end of the journey. It's the, when you decide you're going to do the swim and then you plan and you train and you get your crew and you get all your stuff and you get there. I mean, all of that's part of the swim to me. Mm -hmm. And so when you get out of the water and you kind of come out of that, you know, headspace, it's, I feel like it's a little bit of a letdown, which is way be, maybe why I keep going back and doing the same swims over <laughs> and over again, because I've had that little bit of a letdown. Um, I mean, obviously I'm happy with the swim, but to me, because it's really more about the process and the journey, it, it is something I want to just start all over again. I love that. Yeah. I was, I, when, as you were talking, I was kind of thinking like, oh yeah, that's why we keep doing it again. It's because we really like the build up. <laughs> it's a culmination too. Anyway. Um, how, is it, how do you balance the training with your busy job? For, really, for long marathons? You'd really just have to prioritize. Um, I, you know, I make sure I get up in the morning and go swim. I make sure I, you know, if I don't swim in the morning, I try to swim in the evening. Sometimes I do doubles. It just, you've got to just get it in and it's balance. And I tell my clients, you know, I am, and my colleagues, I am better at my job if I go do this because it allows me to have balance in my life. And if I'm just, you know, working and, you know, that's gotten better over the years, but if I'm just working and sitting at a desk for 12 to 15 hours a day, that's not beneficial to anybody. <laughs> Certainly not to me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us about, uh, do you have a favorite feed that you like when you're swimming? Or are you just one of the people that's a safe feed all the time? <laughs> I feel um, like there's two camps. <laughs> so uh, Liz, Liz probably, know, and maybe Chris knows this is coming. So I, um, when I, typically I do Tailwind and Carbo Pro, but sometimes I like to have egg salad. Um, it is fatty and it's slimy and it's savory. And the first time I did that, I was in Cape Cod Bay and I and I was like, there are eggs on the boat and there's mayonnaise. And I yelled up and said, can somebody make me some egg salad? And they actually stopped me and said, do you want salt on it? And I said, I think I don't, I think I don't really need the salt on it. I think I'm good without the salt. But, um, but I like to have egg salad. <laughs> I love that. I love that. I love that how creative we can all be when we're swimming. <laughs> um, 
let's see. Uh, tell us about a swim that you're the most proud of. So the swim that I'm the most proud of is my double Catalina channel swim. So I started at like 6.45 on a Tuesday and I finished about 4.15 on 4 o'clock on a Thursday a.m. So over three days, um, it was, I got to Catalina in 12-ish, 12 and a half hours, something like that. And did the turn. Chris was at the turn, gave me all my stuff. I was back in the water in four minutes and felt great. And then about halfway back, the current was against me and it took me 20 plus hours to get back. And it was the second sunset was pretty awful. Um, but that's the, definitely the swim that I'm most proud of. How did you endure? When it started um, getting really tough, how did, how it did was, you do? You know, I, I was, it was the last nine hours I hallucinated some and I just kept my head down and I really, my crew got me through that swim. Um, you know, Dan Simonelli was in the kayak next to me for the last five hours and it was just, you know, laid and we, the boat actually took a little bit of a wrong path and then corrected and, so that probably added about an hour to the swim, but I just one arm and then the other arm until you get there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how do you adapt when things kind of to like changing situations, both in swimming and in life? So I have, I don't know if it's over the years, with, especially with going to court and, you know, you just, you're presented with, you never know what you're going to get when you walk in the door. You know, I've won cases that I should have lost. I've lost cases I should have won. I've, you know, had conditions that I thought were going to be, you know, better than they were or worse or vice versa. And so you just kind of have to go with it. I mean, you just go with the, whatever you're presented with, you, you know, you're either going to keep going or you're going to stop. And I mean, you just choose to keep going. And I, I mean, I find I'm able to kind of put it, just compartmentalize it and kind of put it over over here and you just focus on the goal and the task and you just keep moving ahead. Good advice. <laughs> Is there anything that you haven't finished? So that's a funny question to me because I feel like, you know, the wherever you stop swimming is where you were supposed to finish that day. And you you know, so I have set out the last two years to do a double English Channel swim, and I finished both years in France and didn't make the turn. And so, is that a DNF? Because it seems sort of greedy and ridiculous to say, like, well, I feel like I didn't finish that swim because I did swim from England to France. And yeah, I didn't do what I had set out to do that day, but I was very proud of my swim and I learned a lot and I, you know, had a great experience. And, and so I don't know that I would count that as a DNF. I would say I didn't do what I set out to do, but I still think I finished what I was intended to finish that day. Very sage advice. Lovely. <laughs> um, are you a process or outcome person? Oh, def definitely a process person. You know, I feel like I, um, 
like it, I mean, I think that just speaks to the question that I just answered, right? It's, it's about the journey. Every, before every swim I do, my husband, the very last thing he says to me before I get in the water is to enjoy the journey. And I have a necklace that I wear that says enjoy the journey. And, you know, he kisses me and off I go on my journey because it's really about that journey and what you learn about yourself along the way. And, you know, the relationships that you form with people when you're training or when you're swimming and your crew. And it just, it is, um, it's just been a really great journey. The whole swimming, you know, my whole swimming career. And then also every swim that I do is just a great journey. That's lovely. Um, the, you mentioned a few times the things you learn along the way. You want to give us a little window into the things that you've learned along the way? Um, so in that, in my Catalina channel swim before, before that swim, I would have said that I kept wanting to do longer swims or colder swims or you know, push myself to really to find my limit. And, you know, if I, I'm pretty sure I found my limit. I think Chris would agree. I think I found my limit in that swim. And when I got out and, you know, as you process it over the next, you know, day, you know, week, month, I kept thinking, well, I wonder if I had started at, you know, 6 a.m., would that have made a difference? Or I wonder if I had eaten more solid food, would that have made a difference? And then I realized what I was trying to do was find a way to push my limit even further when I think I had found my limit. And and so then I had to kind of change my perspective. And I thought, well, am I really doing this to find my limit? Because if I found, if that was what I was doing, then I, I achieved that goal because I found my limit in that swim. But if I'm doing these swims because I want to, you know, learn about myself when my character's tested, when I'm out there in the dark, you know, watching the sunset go down for a second time, well, then, you know, that's really what it's about. And it's not about finding my limit. And so you can, you know, learn a lot about yourself in a two hour swim as much as you can in a 33 hour swim. Um, and so that's really why I think I do these swims. I think I do them just to find out, you know, what you learn about yourself when your character's tested and when you can push through whatever it is that's in front of you. Um, when I, my first English Channel swim, I was sick as people get, you know, in the middle of the swim and I got sick. And I remember looking up to my crew saying, I feel so much better. And, you know, so that's something that you learn that once you push yourself past that, you can maybe get past that sickness and get past whatever it is that's, you know, in, you feel like is in your way or blocking you. And then you learn that you can do that. That's awesome. Um, what, uh, let's see, I have a couple of questions in my mind. Let's start with, uh, you've done a lot of solo events, but is there, is there any other, and I guess I think of those a little bit differently, but is there any other events um, like that are put on by somebody that you've done that, that you particularly enjoyed or would recommend to people? So my favorite, probably my favorite event 
ever was the 2010 Boston Light Swim. Um, I had never been in cold, really cold water before. And I had never been in an event where, you know, there were so many people that had done so many great things. And at Boston, if you've never done Boston Light Swim, everybody comes the night before and you have dinner together and everybody gets up and introduces themselves and says what they've done. And I'm sitting, oh, my husband's phone is ringing, sorry. Oh, he stopped it, okay. Um, and I'm sitting there and I'm, people are going around the room and they're talking about, um, you know, how they just got back from swimming the English Channel or they just swam Catalina or they just swam Manhattan. And, and I literally felt like just the biggest poser in the world. I was like, well, I swam across the Potomac River and I've done the Chesapeake Bay. And I just thought, you know, oh my, like I am, do not belong here. And when I, you, know, you take the boat out to Boston Light and the water was 56 degrees and I thought I, there's just no way I'm going to be able to do this. And when I came up on shore, you know, three hours and 45 minutes later or whatever it was, I was like, that was so awesome. I mean, I swam out there with all those great people and they've done so many cool things. And then I probably signed up for the Manhattan Island Marathon swim. <laughs> so I think the Boston Light Swim was like my favorite event ever um, just because it really, it, it launched this, path that I've been on for the last 10 years. Thank you for capturing uh, so much of the feelings I've had anytime I've ever gone to a marathon swim. <laughs> Feeling like the biggest poser ever. I love that because it's such how I feel every time. <laughs> um, can you tell us about a favorite, a favorite memory from one of your events? Any event or solo crossing or anything, just any memory specific? I know there's a million, but any specific memory that jumps out at you? So when I, um, when I finished my double Catalina swim, um, and I'll use this because not, I mean, it's a favorite, but also because Chris is here. So Chris swam in with me when I did the turn, but he also was in the water when I finished. So Dan Simonelli was on the kayak and Chris was there to just kind of help, you know, help me get back in the water and get back to the boat. And I was getting pounded. It was dark, four o'clock in the morning, and I was pretty beat up, and I was getting thrown against the rocks. And I don't know why this is my one of my favorite memories, but I guess it is. And I just, and I, you know, had to get all the way up and clear the water in the dark, and, you know, just completely, you know, had a, a complete and utter, you know, breakdown. Started crying, and I was happy. I was hallucinating. I was, um, had all, every single emotion that you can possibly have. I think I had it all together right at the end of that swim. Um, so that's just a great, it's just a great, it's a great memory. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it. Um, Oh, man. <laughs> Apparently it is a little too early for me to keep my thoughts all connected. So like I'll have a, a thought while you're talking and then I completely forget it. Um, oh, the quarantine. What has the uh, pandemic been like for you? How have you been getting through that? So, you know, that's interesting too, is, you know, normally it's really, you, know, you get up, you go to the pool, you do your swim, you go to work and it's just, you like your day is sort of routine and predictable. And now there's, there's flexibility and it's not as predictable. And 
But the best thing I can say is I have um, had an opportunity to make some new friends like Lauren, who's on the call, because I have been, ha I had to go to the open water and I, I've had to keep training. I needed it for my sanity, but also to stay just on track. And I live about an hour and a half away from the Chesapeake Bay and I have been going down there and training in the open water. So I've actually done more open water training this year than I've ever done in my life because there haven't been pools to swim in. And the benefit to that, I think is tremendous. I just, you know, you, you're going to swim better in open water if you train in open water and that's so it's been kind of great um to be to have the flexibility and to just push you to say okay i can either not train i can either say you know i'm not going to do this or i have something that's really not that far away and i have great new friends and they've been training with me and we've done some really fun swims and that's just great it's been great yeah i love that i love the little gifts, I call them, that have been coming up, cropping up through this pandemic. Um, you spoke a little bit, to, alluded a little bit to having done an, excess, an, an extended amount of pool time. How do you usually balance that percentage-wise in your training, pool versus open water, historically well, versus this year? Yeah, it depends on the time of the year. Um, so I tend to do probably mostly pool training until March. And then, you know, maybe 10% in the open water in April and maybe 20% in the open water in May. And then in June and July, I would say by July, I'm typically, you know, 75% in the open water. Do you still have any swims on your radar this year that are happening? So I'm still, um, I'm still planning to go to England for another double English Channel attempt in August, but we'll see. We'll see. See what happens. Yeah. Um, there's there, they, unlike Catalina and New York, they haven't, they haven't canceled. Um, and I said to my husband the other day, I said, gosh, I'm doing all this training and all the swimming. And I, you know, I really hope you know, this goes, but if it doesn't, I'll be okay. And he said, it's like planning for a trial when you think the case might settle, you know, right. you still have yeah. preparing until somebody says that you're not going. So <laughs> that's what I'm doing and I'm going to keep preparing as if I'm going and, you know, maybe, maybe I'll go, maybe I won't go. I guess we'll find out between now and August. Between now and August, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh uh, yeah, we're all right there with you. Um, is there any swimmer that you've particularly admired and that's inspired you? So Liz Fry and Chris Redford, who are both here on this call. Um, Chris, um, when I did my first Manhattan Island Marathon swim, Chris and I became friends and, you know, he was one of the people that I certainly felt like a poser around. <laughs> because he had done so many um, Manhattan Island Marathon swims and I, and, but he was so nice and so kind and was there when I finished. And um, so I certainly admired him. And then Liz, I mean, of course, um, 
Liz is just amazing and has given me tons of advice. And I actually met Liz for the first time right after my first Manhattan Island Marathon swim when we went to a, an event in New York that day. And she also was very kind and invited me up to her house in Connecticut. And she probably doesn't even remember that, but I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> I love these people. Yes, yes, um, awesome. Um, what advice would you give to an aspiring marathon swimmer? So, um, you know, you hear, you hear that you should swim, like if you're in a bad place, you should swim to your next feed and just swim to your next feed. And to me, that's too long. Like, <laughs> I, I think that the best advice that I ever got was before my first English Channel swim, I went out, um, I got on the boat and we got to the, to Shakespeare Beach and the fog, it was 4 a.m. The fog was so thick, the captain called it. So, I mean, I am there, I'm greased up, I'm ready to go. And the swim got called and I had to go back to my house. And I was in a really bad place because I thought, you know, you get up, you're there, you're like ready to go. And then all of a sudden you're back and you're lodging. So I called, um, one of my friends and we were talking about it and I said, you know, what, you know, what do I do? And he, he said to me, you get up tomorrow and you go back because I was, you know, assuming the fog was lifted, the conditions were fine. And so I, you go back tomorrow and you stand on the beach and you tell yourself that you're going to take one stroke and then the other stroke, and you're going to get one arm and then the other arm until you get to France. And so, to me, the best advice is to break your swim down into the smallest possible unit and tell yourself you can do just a little bit more. And, you know, swimming to your next feed, if you've just had a feed, that's 30 minutes. And, you know, that might be, some people may not be able to overcome that, but telling yourself you can take 20 more strokes and then you do those 20 strokes and then maybe you can take 20 more strokes. Um, that to me is, you know, because when you think about it, when you're standing on shore, if you really think about what you're getting ready to do, you wouldn't do it probably. <laughs> like you would say, I, there is no way I can swim from here all the way to France. Like there's no way I can do that. But if you say, I'm just going to put one arm and then the other arm, it takes away, you know, the enormity of what you're getting ready to do. And it just makes it way, you know, much more manageable to me. Um, and I do that really in like my job too. You know, if I think about, oh my gosh, I've got to write this brief or I've got to prepare for this trial or whatever it might be. I just say, okay, I can write one page. I can write one page and then, you know, and then it becomes easier and it starts to flow. And um, so to me, it's breaking it down into those smaller units of time um, to try to, you know, minimize the enormity of what you're doing. I love that so much. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I just started thinking like, wow, how can I break it down to even like parts of my stroke? Like, what if it's like, okay, catch, pull, you know, cause you kind of do, but I love, I love thinking about it like that. So it's, it's all about staying right in the present, right? Beautiful. Um, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the last question, but I'm gonna warn people if you want to come off mute to ask a question to Courtney, get ready. But the last question, um, who should we have as a future guest 
on marathon swim stories. So I, I thought, obviously, I knew you were going to ask that. And so I, <laughs> and I thought a little bit about it. And I looked at the people that were um, you had interviewed. And I, I mean, Liz is on here. So I would say Liz, but she won't, uh, she won't I, respond to me. Well, I knew that. I mean, <laughs> I, I like shocker. I, I knew that that was going to be the answer. Um, but I, so I thought about some backups just in case uh, Liz was unwilling. Um, and I noticed you had a lot of people in the U.S. and also a good number of women. So I thought mm -hmm. I, so I brainstormed a little bit about some men that are not in the U.S. And I came up with um, Mike Gregory, who is a swimmer in Australia. And okay. Mike has done four English Channel swims and is a dear friend. And I think he, you know, he coaches and he would be a great person to come on and talk. Right. And then I I have another option too, and that's um, a friend of mine in Germany, um, Matthias Kastner, who is um, awesome, and I think Matthias would do a great job. Awesome. I love that. Thank you for keeping us, pushing us around the globe. <laughs> We're going to try to come all the way around. Uh, Jamie Monahan had recommended the first person that swam around Hong Kong. So anyway, I've got I've got my list it just goes on and on and on. This is this is so much fun. All right, any questions for Courtney? Give people a minute to come off mute. Anybody? Anybody? I'll just say this: you haven't reached your limit, Courtney. <laughs> you could have taken two more strokes in Catalina. There's I'm always something else. Yeah, maybe two more. <laughs> All right, I forgot. I keep forgetting our screenshots. So let me real quick come take your put your camera on. We'll take a screenshot of everybody. I don't know. I sometimes I catalog these. Sometimes I pin them to the to the post. But it's fun to have them. <laughs> so <laughs> ready? One, two, three. <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much, Courtney. I Thank love, you. love that was your great, team. Courtney. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Throw me on the bus. Thanks. Thank you for all the good advice. I want to have one question. It's, it's a very, it's, um, I'm just curious, like, do you do dry land training and what are your thoughts about it? What would you, you know, like if somebody, like, especially during the quarantine period when, um, I was kind of mostly doing, I was pretty much doing that, walking, running, doing some weights and everything. But, um, you know, even when there's no quarantine, I've been thinking that I need to do some more strength training. What do you, um, what, what, what kind of, what are your thoughts about that? So I do um, band work, I do Pilates um, on a reformer and I do, or, and I have a rower. And I, so I row. Those are the three main things that I do. Um, I mostly to get shoulder stability, you know, to try to work on your, you know, you get so many, everything wants to pull forward to work on your back, upper back muscles and shoulder scapular stability. Sounds good. That's good. Thank you. All right, you guys have a great day. All right. Thanks guys. Bye-bye. Thanks Bye. everyone. Take care, everybody. Have a great day. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. 
If you'd like to be a guest on Marathon Swim Stories, just email me, shannon at intrepidwater.com. Please stay in touch by joining our email list at intrepidwater.com. Thanks for listening.